The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Sony Open storylines, best bets, everything from the world of golf. And joining me to break it all down, Mark Immelman is here. Hey, Mark. Hey, boys. What's up? Listen, I am just jacked to be on a podcast with the coach. It's been a while, buddy. How are you doing? <laughs> it's great to see you, man. I, I'm actually the one that's honored, to be honest with you. Oh, come on. Now. No, good to be back with you, boys. Everyone good, I hope. Absolutely. Everyone's everyone's good. That is the coach, Jonathan. Coach, man, what's up, coach? How's it going? Oh, I tell you what, it's going pretty good. I tell you what, if 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 this week is anything like last week, I'm going to start making my bets on the Champions Tour because I was great for 54 holes, but it was uh, Sunday that absolutely crushed me. Although Xander and my one and done gave me a lot of cash, so I was happy about that. That's right. You were the big one and done winner of the week from our little crew here, and Kyle Porter is here, and I got a nice lesson on Swing and Pete before we went live here, which is depicted on your cap, and I absolutely love it. Hey, KP. How's it going? It's going great. How's, how's it going? Uh, I, uh, I'm great. I, I gave you a tutorial on how there's swinging Pete, wrestling Pete, baseball Pete, softball Pete, firefighter Pete. There's all kinds of Pete's. So I'm going to need some firefighter Pete swag in my life. That's it's, it's pretty that's awesome. I mean. It's pretty good. And there's, <laughs> that, there's that Pete's coffee too. Do you get that in the water? That's spelled differently. So uh, no, they're, they're out on that. Uh, all right, gentlemen, we've got a lot of news around the world of golf. Not all of it is positive. Some of it might make you uncomfortable, but this is thing. these are things that we have to talk about, and we're going to start with the movement of a major championship. The 2022 PGA Championship is moving from Trump Bedminster, and the PGA president, Jim Richardson, uh, in partial quotes, said it has become clear that conducting the PGA Championship at Trump Bedminster would be detrimental to the PGA of America brand and would put at risk the PGA's ability to deliver our many programs and sustain the longevity of our mission. Kyle, you had a write-up on CBSSports.com about this. It's obviously major news when a major championship gets moved, and this is not the only potential major championship that is distancing itself from the president. Yeah, it's not. You know, the RNA came out, uh, I think it was the day after on Monday, and basically said, Hey, we haven't been going to Turnberry and we're not going there, which was not real. I mean, it was newsworthy, but it wasn't like, you know, I went back and found, so Martin Slumbers is this, the uh, CEO, I think of the RNA, president of the RNA. He's in charge of the RNA, whatever, whatever his title is. And he said, I pulled a quote from back in, I believe it was 2014, where he said, Hey, Turnberry is in the Rota. Like it's one of the nine courses. We haven't gone there recently. But it's still in the road. It might have been 2016. It was it was right around the time where where Trump was becoming about to become the president. And 
that's no, I don't think that's the case any longer. And I think that it's not unreasonable to assume that Portrush has replaced Turnberry in the Rota if, if we're sticking with nine courses it, just on the open championship side. So, you know, I, I don't, it's not surprise. I, I don't really know what the, what other move there was for either the PGA of America or the RNA that they didn't, they didn't really have a ton of options after last week. Right. And so now for the PGA, they're forced with this, what, 17 month scenario where they, they have to come up with a venue in like it, during COVID, but hosting at a time where hopefully it'll be full. And the logistics of that are, it doesn't seem like that large an amount of time, but the logistics of it are going to be pretty crazy. I, you know, these things get planned five, six, seven years in advance. Not that they can't pull it off, but it's kind of a tough spot. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the counter take is to like, they had no other choice and it's going to be difficult for them for the next 17 months. Is there, is there like an alternate take that I'm missing there? No, I think both of those are are accurate statements. To your point, 2014 is when Bedminster got on the schedule. So this is essentially eight years in the works. And and Mark, looking at uh, some of the other options, right? Because that's that's kind of where we go from here. Is okay. We've got 17 months to kind of figure out uh, what is the host of this event. We've seen. Uh, you know, things thrown out on golf Twitter. And we've seen things that are more uh, just wishes than, than real, than realistic options. But that's, that's something that the PGA of America is going to have to figure out. Yeah, they're going to, uh, and, and, and to the Twitter and stuff, I've actually taken a leave of absence from social media for a couple of weeks, just to gain my sanity before, uh, before our West coast swing begins, but to the West coast swing. I mean, it was just a few short months ago that we were sort of preparing to go to San Francisco for the PGA championship. But no one was certain with COVID if we were going to get to go there, if San Francisco, California was going to be open. And, and we were getting told behind the scenes that, look, Valhalla is essentially waiting in the wings. And so if the plug gets pulled on San Francisco, we'll go straight to uh, uh, Valhalla where they've had multiple PGA championships and a Ryder Cup before. So so it's sort of the PGA's bench, if you will. They've gone there before. And, and then down the road, they'll have uh, the uh, course that they're building, I understand, in Frisco, Texas. But in terms of finding different venues, I, it's challenging to Carl's point, but I don't think it'll be that big a deal because they were basically in the same boat just a few short months ago because no one was really sure if we would get to go to Harding Park. In the end, we did, and it turned out great. Um, so so I would, if I was a wagering guy, say that Valhalla is likely to pitch up yeah, pretty soon, announcing that they'll take the event. That that is interesting. Uh, we'll obviously keep an eye out for that. And and coach, I want to mine deeper into a bit of what of what Kyle was getting to about you know the PGA of America and and, and potentially the RNA their their hands being tied. It's not just golf entities that are distancing themselves from the current administration. We've seen plenty of businesses do it as well. But uh, you know the the statement and I'm, I'm looking for the official statement, but it was something to the effect of trying to keep the focus on golf and the players. And that was my big takeaway from this. And I wonder if that's yours as well. Well, that's kind of where I was going to go is that you never want, I don't care what the event is, whether it's a golf event, basketball, football, you never want the venue and the story surrounding the venue to outshine the event. And that's what the PGA of America was basically faced with, that if they kept it here, essentially half of the audience or half of whoever would simply walk away. 
because they just didn't want to, whether it's right or wrong, that's not for us to decide, but that's essentially when you're putting political things as part of a sporting event, that's what you're doing, especially in this time when it's so divisive after everything that's happened. They had no choice. The second thing is I'm an ambassador for the PGA of America and for their uh, minority arm and their uh, charity arm, PGA Reach, PGA Works. And what we do and what we're trying to accomplish is nothing but positive and bringing people into the game, diversity into the game, ladies and, and, and men and uh, minorities and all of that. And if you're going to do that, then you can't have a situation where you're going someplace where there's so much divisiveness when it's all about inclusivity, if that's the right word. So for those two reasons, the PGA of America had no choice. Well, I thought it was interesting that uh, Bedminster hosted the U.S. Women's Open in 2000. I think you can check me on this, this, Rick. I think it was 2016 or 17. Trump was I the it president. Was seven, it was 17. Okay, 17. And I was going back and kind of reading about that because I sort of remembered it, but not not totally. And it was it was a little bit of a circus because he came there on the weekend, and it was just you know, right? He did. If the if the sitting president is at an event, it's it's going to be just whoever it is, it's going to be a, a little bit of a mess. I mean, think about how much, how exacerbated that would have been if he would have, and you know, he would have been there and, and shown up and, and, and partaken in it. It just would have been such a, I mean, that's what that whole event would have been, been remembered by. And like coach said, it, that's, that's not what you want in a major championship, you know? And, and um, yeah, it just became, it became untenable at, at some point. And, you know, maybe maybe you go back to the PGA of America and say, "Hey, like, why would you even risk this? You had eight years, or you—I guess you had four years, really, where he was the president. Why? Why would you even like? Like, what's the upside here? You know, like, it's not like there's a shortage of venues that you could that you could take this to. Um, that's the part where I look at the PGA of America and say, "Well, what? Like, how did you think what this was going to go? You didn't know this was going to happen, but you certainly knew that the risk far outweighed the reward of going to a place like that. And so, I, I, you know, they've kind of put themselves into this corner a little bit as well. I've, I'm on record of saying the PGA championship should embrace municipal courses after Harding park. And let's just find a bunch of munis and run those out there for, for the next decade or so and see how it goes. Well, you know, that's a really good point, uh, Rick, given what Coach listed in terms of the mission of the PGA, which is to take the game to the masses, for lack of a better term. So going to public courses, that's where I learned the game. That's where a number of folks learned the game. And so if you really, really want to grow the game, you go there. But, Carl, I mean, this sort of builds on your observation there. Uh, uh, venues pay a lot of money to get these major events to their place. And so when uh, Golf Course X, whatever it might be, goes to an organizing body and says, hey, we're going to give you X million over so many years to get this event, folks are going to go, yeah, absolutely, this works with our, our finances. And in, in an era right now where money is a little tight, I can see why an organization would more than likely agree to a situation like that. But your point's well-founded. I mean, you, you can't be having you know, extraneous events being bigger than the event and certainly bigger than the attraction of the players in the competition. Well, and the counter, the counter to what I said is that they, they scheduled it before he became president. Mm -hmm. So it would have been awkward to kind of jump in after that. And, the, you know, this is like the best defense that the PGA of America has. It would have been awkward to jump in after that and say, okay, we're out just because someone that we 
you know, a place that we're going to, that person became the president. And, you know, you could have picked a million spots along the way where you could have ejected and probably should have, but that's sort of their best defense if we're, if we're looking backward on it. Eric, one more thing, if I might. Uh, a sure. lot of these major organizations, they work in concert with each other. They're all a member of the International Golf Federation. So the Masters Club, the RNA, the USGA, the PGA, and a number of, the, and then all the international tours attend annual meetings in different areas. And so if one organization decides to do X, it's highly likely that the other organization is going to follow suit just to make sure that there's, there's sort of a, 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 a consolidated front, if you will. And then they're obviously all consult with the PGA in the European tour because that's where the talent for the event is coming from. But I was not that surprised when I saw the PGA pulled out and then the RNA quickly followed. This is what they sort of do. Uh, I swear we have good news coming in this show. We're not quite there yet. Justin Thomas made national news uh, this past weekend when he was caught on a hot mic during Saturday's third round of the Century Tournament of Champions. Coach, he got caught muttering a homophobic slur underneath his breast breath, excuse me, after he missed a putt. Um, I kind of, I think I missed this when it originally happened and I was kind of just scrolling through Twitter, laying in bed later and, and saw it and I couldn't believe it for a lot of reasons. I did a double take when I saw that it was Justin Thomas who has been uh, historically such a a, a thoughtful uh, player and, and he obviously immediately apologized for this, but I, I was just shocked from a couple of different angles on this. There, there are, are several words that just bother me. Uh, they just do. And uh, I think people could probably assume what they are. The, the word he said and, and, and those. And I have a, a lesbian sister. Uh, I'm a minority. But I don't even want to focus on, on what he said because he has to figure out uh, why it's in my head. It always drives me crazy when somebody says something or says something offensive. And they go, that's not me. I mean, I don't use those words. And I can guarantee you in my lifetime, I've never said one word that's not in my head. It's impossible. It's impossible. So he's got to figure out why that word is in his vocabulary. What I want to focus on is how he reacted to it. Mm. And a lot of athletes can look at how he reacted to it and take a big-time lesson because this is not going to stay with him for a very long time because of how he reacted to it. He took ownership. He said it was stupid. It was dumb. I've got to learn a lesson. I've got to figure out why that word is in my vocabulary. But no excuses. It was stupid. I'm embarrassed. And then he walked on and then he doubled down the next day. So mm -hmm. that's the take I take away from it because we all do stupid things. I don't like those words, but I don't want to I don't want to say that I'm not going to like Justin Thomas because he used that word. I want to look at how he reacted to it and take a lesson from that. I was actually, you know, I guess pleasantly surprised that he was asked about it immediately after the round. I think sometimes, Kyle, in the world of golf, we just kind of bury our heads and we'll just move on and get away from this in a couple of, of weeks. And, uh, and and the fact that he was asked about it immediately, and I have a part of, of what he told Todd Lewis uh, after his round, he said, it's inexcusable. He said, first off, I just apologize. I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. There's absolutely no reason for me to say anything like that. It's terrible. I'm extremely embarrassed. And he goes on for a little bit. He kind of came back and echoed things uh, the same day, but to, he, he seemed to be obviously very aware that uh, what he said was inexcusable and unacceptable. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good on it, uh, just in the way that he kind of framed it and thought about it. And, you know, I, I thought that, you know, I, I saw some criticism around like, hey, is there a double standard for people like us who if Patrick Reed does this, which he did back in uh, 2017, I think something yeah. like that, we 
go crazy about it. And with JT does it, we kind of, like you said, bury our heads in the sand. And I think that, I think there's some truth to that. I think that we could be more critical on, on things like this, but I also think it matters like what you've built up leading into that, right? JT's always been open in my interactions with him, always very kind, honest. Uh, He's just, pleasant, like all, all these things. And and that's not to say that you get a free pass, but certainly like the, the character that you kind of built your life on, that stuff matters for the people that are talking. It matters for the four of us in the way that we talk about it. Right. And those are things that Patrick Reed could probably not say uh, about himself or maybe some other guys that we've been more critical of. So I thought that was one interesting thing that I was just kind of ruminating on as i i thought about this over the weekend that the the, you know kind of the reputation that jt has among people like us among media members and it's not that you like we should be talking about it for sure and it is it's not good like it's 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 terrible but the way he handled it afterward and the thousand days that he put in leading up to that that matters like those things matter as well so i I don't know. I, that was kind of just the way I was thinking about it afterward. I, I think, um, and and Mark, you, I think you can really shed some light on this. You know, the the PGA Tour has been historically opaque in its fines, suspensions. It's um, uh, I don't want to I don't want to call it uh, principling of 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 its players, and this kind of renewed more calls for transparency. I think we're seeing sports in general getting more transparent from the organization level down to its athletes, and we're hearing those renewed calls here for the PGA Tour so they could at least come out and say, look, what X player did was wrong. We have assessed this amount of whether it's a fine or whatever it is. Um, we're, we're kind of taking a stand here, and I wanted to get your thoughts on, on the way that they usually handle these situations. Well, yeah, they could. Uh, players get fined. I don't even know, and I work for the tour coach has as well. I mean, we don't know the amounts of the fines that they get. Heck, I'm related to a, a guy who's played on the tour, and I don't know what the fine structure is because people just don't share it. And personally, you know, with it being a membership organization, the PGA Tour works for the PGA Tour players. I don't see why they have to disclose what fines are as long as the individual is disciplined. Why do we have to be like sharks in the water chumming around the place to sort of go, well, JT got knocked for 25K for the, the term that he used? Um, and and it's sort of one of those things that not very many folks speak about. I really on, honestly can't speak very authoritatively on the whole thing. But the, the thing is for me, is that they're professional golfers playing on the professional golfers tour of America. And so JT did the right thing afterwards. He, he would have got disciplined afterwards. What the severity of the discipline is, it means nothing to me as long as he was disciplined and was responsible for his actions. And I th- uh, that's what I love what both coach and Carl had to offer where it's the responsibility of the thing. A- and it's the situation where, you know, I'm not perfect. But every day I'm striving to be just a little bit better. And in the end, hopefully at the end of my career, you can look up on me and I can be a role model that a young golfer can aspire towards. Because we've seen you know, a number of folks throughout the years use foul language and stuff. And, and for the guys that are on television a lot, they get, they get on hot mics often. And it's a joke because guys just levy out checks like they're candy. But, but, but I, I appreciated what J, JT, how he handled it. Um, it wasn't right. I'm not condoning it whatsoever. And as far as the tour disclosing the information, I don't think it's got anything to do with us, to be honest with you. 
See, I, I disagree on the transparency. I think a lack of transparency can can lead to an abuse of power at times. And, you know, that maybe that's not true of the PGA Tour. You know, that's that might be an extreme thing to say about a sports organization. But I, I think a lot, I think transparency is I think transparency is compelling because I think sometimes PGA Tour likes to purport this like super polished, clean you know, organization. And it's like, man, that's not real life. That's not compelling. It real life is messy. People are messy and it, it's not, I don't know. I I'm just, I'm more compelled by the, by the entire narrative and not just by like, Oh, we're going to sweep this under the rug, but man, we're going to tweet out, you know, the, the shots that JT hit into 17 on Saturday, 57 times. Like that's not, that, that does not compel me. I'm compelled by the the drama as, and the narrative as a whole. And that's, you know, that's the price, that's the price of admission for professional athletes. You're out in the public. That's what you do. So I, I, I wish there was more transparency across the board, not just in the PGA tour, but from, from players as well. I think I think where I would fall on it is kind of in both uh, for what Mark is saying. For me, I don't think it matters to me, but where it does matter, because how many times did we discuss what really happened to Dustin Johnson? He was gone. <laughs> right. What really happened to this person when they were gone? Right. So whether it's a fine, whether it's a suspension, uh, a player can right now just go, you know what? I'm not playing next week when really he could have got suspended for the next week. And I think that when you compare uh disciplines and punishments i think that's where i would like to see the transparency because what is a fine for that as opposed to a fine for bryson snapping as you know snapping at a, a photographer when he's walking off because then there would be some accountability from the tour i think on what you put on certain things and certain transgressions that's all i would like to see but as far as do we deserve to know i think to mark's point we don't but i would like to see it for that reason all right, gentlemen, Mike Wan is out at the LPGA this year. He is stepping down. Not only the uh, eighth commissioner in LPGA tour history, but the longest serving commissioner, Mark. And, you know, I, I when, when, when you start to read quotes from either players or executives or just peers in general, it appears that he has been uh, widely respected as, as someone who has kind of taken the LPGA and made it into something great. He certainly did. And he's earned his rest. I mean, <laughs> you know, the conversation is where is Mike Wan going and the kind of guy that he is, there's always something to achieve. There's always a goal to, to, to go and meet and there's always a difference to make. And, and we saw him do that with the LPGA and I'm sure, you know, when the time is right, he'll get snapped up by somebody. But, but right now, I, I, I would say to Mike, if I was counseling him, not that he would seek out my counsel, <laughs> um, I, I'd be like, man, Go and go and rest on your laurels for a little while. You have poured your heart and your soul into, uh, let's be honest, a difficult property to sell. And he turned that LPGA tour uh, into the right direction. They built some personalities out there. They built a compelling, to use Kyle's term, um, product. I mean, I find myself turning on the LPGA events often because there's so many cool personalities and it's so much golf that I can sort of relate to even though I work on the tour. So, so Mike did a super job. Um, his lieutenants around him also, they deserve all sorts of kudos. But I, I think right now, I, I, he, he needs to be on a beach somewhere with a cocktail in his hand, just chilling and, 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 and resting on his laurels and looking back on what he managed to achieve and the length of his tenure. 
Uh, I certainly find the LPGA uh, incredibly compelling. They are getting more involved, or at least DraftKings is getting more involved in the LPGA. I think there's going to be a lot more eyeballs on it moving forward. Uh, The WGC Mexico history is about to get a little messier, right, KP? We've had (laughs) WGC Mexico events that like, oh, let's look at tournament history that wasn't even in mexico it's about to get a little a little bit uh crazier here because bob herrig of espn is reporting that the pga tour is expected to announce that the wgc mexico championship will not be played in mexico city this year and it's, it's, it's essentially comes down to business again here grupo salinas which uh, is the sponsoring group of this event which by the way not sure this was a great sponsorship what what is that company what do they do it's a conglomeration of organizations, and, and really, there's there was so much charitable work they were doing down That's there. A pretty specific right. answer. Well, well, I mean, uh, the, the, they they've got a number of companies. Basically, they are essentially a holding company. I don't know if I'm using the right vernacular, but but yeah, it's probably going to be messy, and I'll let Carl comment. But just from a personal point of view, color me color me very depressed about this announcement because I loved going down to Mexico City for this event. Yeah, Chapultepec is you know, great, phenomenal. It's awesome course. They treated us like we were royalty. And, and <laughs> I, I had that event circled on my calendar every year. And when I got the word that I wasn't going down there and, and we sort of knew in advance that this was likely to happen, I, I was uh, a little disappointed to uh, say the least. Uh, so, so Grupo Salinas, KP, does, you know, they don't want to hold an event with no fans. So it looks like they're going to be out here. And it is believed that we might get uh, an extension of this little Florida swing again, right? So we might get a four tournament swing with the API, the Players Championship, and Honda. No courses have been officially released or anything like that, but a uh, little, little extension of the Florida swing. Yeah, uh, group of Salinas, by the way, a holding company. Do they just hold thumbs all the time, Mark? I don't know, Carl. <laughs> yeah. Coach, just to fill you in, all right, there's a backstory to that. I, yeah, in America, you guys cross your fingers. Well, where I'm from, we hold thumbs. He's held me to this for the longest time. It's oh, great. Very it's good. great. Very good. Uh, look. Rick, the last thing we need is another another PGA Tour event in Florida. I'm sorry. Like, the, the, the swing right now is fine. You know, Honda, uh, players, Arnold Palmer, those, those are fine. The thing that I wish they would do, and, and you know, the PGA of America won't do this with the, the PGA Championship, is, is take it – Mexico is international. Take it across the ocean. Take it across a couple oceans. Take it to Royal Melbourne. Take it – you know, it's a it's a world golf championship, right? It's not a United States golf championship. You know, we've got plenty of those. I, I wish that they would kind of expand a little bit, and you know, it you you do that. We've seen the PGA Tour do it with the Asia Swing, and it's hard because they don't get the ratings and some of the coverage probably that they would love because of the time difference and all these different things, but. I don't know, man. I, I keep going back to that president's the 2019 President's Cup in Australia. It was phenomenal. And maybe it was the course, maybe I don't know what it was, but it was, you know, the the timing of it worked. Um, so I think that would be it, that won't happen. Uh, and they will end up going to Florida because it fits in, it's easier, all those different things. But that's my that's my wish. I, I wish that they would go somewhere like that. Yeah, Valspar. So Valspar was canceled last year, coach. And wasn't that part of the Florida swing for a while? They kind of got a real tough spot in the schedule now. It, it 
I mean, it was at a, a spot in the schedule where Tiger played, remember, and then uh, Jordan played for a yeah. couple of years, and then he kind of backed out. And these spots are very, very important. And when they get moved around, I can only imagine what it's like, and I'm sure, Mark, you've been in these, these meetings, that when you have that cherry spot, and then all of a sudden you get moved and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just disappears. And I would be very, very frustrated if I was some of these tournament organizers and you just take what they give you. And, and Valspar seems to be kind of uh, one of those tournaments that kind of fell that way. Well, Rick, to, to add to what Coach offered there, um, you look at what the tour did with the events coming back from the COVID lockdown and, and how you've got to go to an organization and a tournament director who you're going to say to him, if I'm Jay Monahan going, well, sorry, we're going to have to cancel because of COVID. Now, that's largely understandable, but mm -hmm. there's so much more to it than just having an event. There's the charitable initiatives. There's all the stuff that's been going on for years to get back to the, the PGA conversation. And that's why moving an event like this, you know, it was great to have it down in Mexico, but the tour sort of could control the television compound over there, which broadcasts the entire thing. So NBC could travel down there. But when you go down to Aussie, like for the President's Cup, we had part of our crew, I'd say maybe 50% or more, were local folks down from Australia. And so managing the whole broadcast of the thing is wildly different, not to mention logistically very, very challenging for all involved. Um, but, but I just want to say to this whole thing and to Valspar and stuff, how the tour got these sponsors and these organizations and these events to play along and fit into schedules like this. And somehow everyone came out kind of smelling like a rose at the end of it with a miracle in itself. And I mean, I, I could only imagine the conversations that were going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I remember when Workday stepped up and took that, took that yeah. event. Uh, like, uh, I don't know how many weeks Every it was like, yeah. Yeah. like, Oh, we'll take that. No problem. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we, I, I promised, I promised some good news gentlemen and, and, and coach, uh, we got a little, little taste of some potential good news here because Augusta national announced that they plan to allow a limited number of patrons in the gates for the 2021 masters. And here's the caveat provided it can be done safely. We've talked about this at, at times on this podcast in the past. If, if there's anybody I trust to like, uh, to remove themselves from the outside world, put a bubble over the golf course and figure it out. It's, it's Augusta national. So, I'm like very cautiously optimistic about this. I, I think it's gonna. I, I think it's gonna be great. And I think I, all four of us have been there, right? I know Kyle's worked in, and obviously Mark works it. Oh, Rick, you've never been there. No, no. Uh, okay, okay. I, I I got to do digital highlights for three years, and it's still the highlight of my career. Uh, no matter what I've done or what I will do, uh, there's nothing like working the Masters. And I think we also can agree that this past year in November, it just it wasn't the same. It didn't play hard enough. Uh, there wasn't the, the the resounding cheers that you can hear two holes over and the player looks around and all the stuff that we've come to know and love about the Masters. So even having a limited number of fans is going to make, I think, a world of difference in how it's presented. Uh, and also being in April when it's supposed to be in the way the course is presented. Uh, I love the announcement today. And now we've got three months to figure out how many, how much are they going to cost? What or who are they going to give their passes to? Who are they going to pull them back from? Because as we know, those passes are everything. They're everything. <laughs> and once you give them up, you don't get them back. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be interested to find out who gets to come in and, and who doesn't get to come in. Uh, KP, you have a, a piece up on CBSSports.com right now. Do we have any indication how they're how they're going to decide who gets in, how they're going to limit where you sit, where you stand? I guess we have some time to figure that out. But any early indications? 
No, but you know, they have that lottery system anyway. So I, I wonder if they just put all the people who currently had, because the original plan, I was looking back at this, was to put the 2020 badge holders into 2021, right? Well, that's not possible. So they're going to, it seems like draw from, a I don't know, percentage of that, whether it's 15%, 20%. And then it seems like based on their statement and, you know, kind of what was surrounding it, that if you don't get in in 2021, you just get your money back and that's it. And then there's a reset for 2022. Now that might change, but that's sort of the way it seems right now, which I don't know. It kind of, it kind of sucks for, you know, some people that maybe that was their first time or whatever, but that's just the, I mean, that's just the collateral damage of a pandemic, I guess. Yeah. I'm wondering living in Georgia because our lottery tonight is worth like 500 million or something silly like that. I mean, I did this lottery now for masters in April, this might be bigger to certain folks than getting that amount of money. It, it, it's crazy the allure of this event. And every year I get to go and every year I count myself fortunate. And then they just, they manage to do things around there that they continue to surprise, they continue to set the bar and the Augusta National Golf Club are just incredible about this. And and I can imagine, I don't know how many folks, Carl, maybe you can shed some light on this, how many folks will get to get in? And when you get word that you have, you've made it into the Masters Lottery and you get to go first time back, I mean, that's going to be an event bar none. And me personally, I'm just going to be so disappointed that I won't be able to see Carl Porter frequently on our <laughs> monitors because now they will be yeah. friends out there. Nobody got more camera shine than KP at this year's Masters <laughs> behind everybody on the tee box. You got a lot of good camera shine, Kyle. Hey, don't, don't stay in the media center. Get out there. <laughs> Get out there among the people. The I, you know, Come on now. I, yeah, sorry. I think there will be, uh, I don't know. This is, I have no idea. This I'm guessing. I, I, I think like eight, 8,000 people. Mm. Um, one day, I, one day or total? One day. Okay. Uh, maybe fewer than that. Well, you know, what did, what did Houston have? 2,000 a day? Two, I think, yeah. Augusta's so spread out. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think they can comfortably handle that. And in terms of controlling the inflow and the outflow and creating a bubble, they they're doing that basically anyhow with with the event, and so I, I think in terms of management and, and testing and stuff, by then they'll have the rapid test stuff happening, and that's gonna it's going ahead. I'm sure. You know, you know what we're gonna say real quick. The memes we're gonna see is the uh, Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory memes that when they open up, it, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh my god, we got, you know, we we got in. It's gonna be like uh, getting the golden ticket for the next year or two. Uh, mm-hmm. We, we've got to talk Sony Open here, but uh, I mean, the Buffalo Bills did allow 6,700 people into their playoff game. They required a negative COVID test from one of their partners, and it cost 75 bucks to get. And I'm sure there would be a ton of people who would be willing to go through that process to to get into Augusta National for an April Masters. Uh, gentlemen, we've got to talk Sony Open. we got to get back to our um, our little our little contest where we get 100 units to go out on William Hill and Spence. And we've got to give our one and done leans. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners it's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym and viore has threaded that needle they are designed to work out in but they don't look like it they don't feel like it and it's incredibly comfortable stuff whether you are running training swimming doing yoga running errands lounging around the house it really doesn't matter these are versatile clothes you'll find me often in the men's sunday performance 
Prince jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. So here's what we've been doing. Second week in, we all take 100 units, 100 bucks, whatever you want to call it. We go over to William Hill and we make a betting card. Greg Ducharme, he won last week. He was three and two. He was our big winner. And he risked, what, half of his half of his units on Lonto Griffin to finish in the top 20. That's what uh, put him over the top. So we're going to start here, KP, with your betting card. And uh, you have you've started to live up to your... Uh, promise that you're just going to make a bunch of bets here. You're going to put producer Jacob to work. You're going to make a bunch of bets. Give us some of the highlights of your card. Yeah, the uh, the text that I producer Jacob has blocked my number probably this <laughs> afternoon. Um, I okay, so I'll go through a couple here that I like. Jerry Kelly top twenty finish. He's finished in the top twenty four the last seven years. You're shaking your head like that was just a fool's errand. <laughs> Am I foolish for doing that? Uh, no, I mean, listen, there, there are, and and you have you have both of them on your card here, like the course history guys. That you know, it's Charles Howell the third, who's what nineteen for nineteen in cuts. He's got 10, 10 top ten. Jerry Kelly, like, uh, no, I just I just love the opportunity that you get to put a, a top twenty wager on Jerry Kelly. It's twenty twenty one. I love it. Yeah, it's units. So <laughs> who, who cares? Uh, I really like that one. You should have gone all in with that better. (laughs) (laughs) All 100 bucks. So the other, I'll I'll go through the three I really like. Sung Jae as top Asian player. I thought he played really well last week. Finished, uh, finished out well. Also, I think I think Joaquin is going to have a big week. I, I just, I don't know. I've been kind of thinking about his tournament of champions for the last couple of days, and it just, it feels like that's just kind of the start of his 2020. I think he's gonna have a monster year. I really do. And maybe I'm wrong about that. You guys can laugh at me in three months when he's missed six cuts in a row, but 
I, I, I just think the age that he's at, I mean, I was looking back, if you look at his uh, 19, 20 and 21 year old years, they were different than Colin Morikawa's, but on, on data golf, if you line them up with Colin Morikawa, 19, 20, 21, they're, they're pretty similar. And Joaquin was even a little bit better. Now Morikawa was in college, so it's hard to kind of like compare the two. Uh, but data golf does a good job of uh, accounting for the fact that Morikawa was in college. Joaquin's playing on the PGA tour. I'm just, I'm fired up about his year. And then uh, lastly, I think, I think Morikawa is another guy that's going to have a big week. So I've got him in a three ball over uh, Harris English, who I'm fading pretty hard this week. And then Hideki, who uh, may or may not still use a, he should just use a wedge when he putts, I think. <laughs> I don't think it could get any worse. Yeah. Harris English, you also have to miss the cut at four to one reveling in his newly found $1.3 million and tournament of champions victory. Mark, we're going to pull up your betting card here next. And you have one on here in regards to whether this event is going to finish in a playoff. And I want to remind people, uh, I think the last time we got a Mark playoff prognostication, it was like, a three-way playoff at some random event, and sure enough, it comes in. I was sucking wind when that happened. <laughs> Complete fluke. I'm hopeful it happens again because of plus 300. Uh, the Sony Open over the last, I think since 2016, has had three playoffs in the last five events. Now, the, 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 two, the two separators there were blowouts. When I was there calling Justin Thomas, and it's one of my prized possessions, I'm going to show a little uh, flex over here. There's the 59 golf ball. There you go, Mark. Uh, Check that out. So I was there when he just went bananas and shot like 27 under par or whatever it is. And that's sort of the outlier. So I love that bet there of a playoff at Wailai, you know, plus 300. It's the kind of place where the way the golf course finishes with 16 being a pretty daunting par four, albeit not long. Um, then you've got uh, 17, the par three with some crosswind that can be a real small target. And then 18, it's the sort of par five where at its length, these guys, if they get the tee shot and play, you can get a short iron in there. So threes can be made quickly and you can post and then have one of the leaders come in and hopefully tie. So it lends itself to playoffs. But that all being said, you know, that 18th hole is no doddle like we saw Ryan Palmer last year blow one out of bounds in the playoff. And so, or I think regulation or playoff, whatever it was. And so it's a strange sort of a golf course to finish, but it sort of finishes the way that, playoffs are likely and then i'm with kyle i've I've added some bets over there because i was looking at the wrong site for for betting numbers as you can imagine because i don't read rundowns um so i I think lanto is a good pick over (laughs) this week and that's my my nod to the new father greg uh greg ducham and then i was watching joaquin neiman play last week and i've always known he was good I, i watched him as an amateur a little bit but last week, he looked like he had taken a different step in the game. He's been playing so well and had that breakout at the President's Cup. And, but, but he just looked complete last week in Kapalua. And I know it's a different golf course, but there's something about guys that play this. You've had guys who have won the Aloha swing, uh, Aloha swing both Ernie, Justin Thomas has done it. And, and Neiman didn't win, but the way he's playing, he's, he can play well anywhere. So... I have him as the top South American. Um, he's in a group there with, uh, let me just check real fast, Abraham Anser, Sebastian Munoz, Emiliano Grillo, Carlos Ortiz, and Johnny Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I have him as the low South American, and then also to win Group B. Um, both of those are pretty sound bets, so I'm looking for the young man to get a bit busy and win me some money. 
That 59 that JT shot included a bogey. Always love when that happens. I think he bogeyed 11, I want to say. Um, okay, so Mark. Eagled the last for the, the ninth hole, the last hole for 59. Oh, that's right. He finished on nine, right? Yeah. In Speed's yeah. face, too. Speed was there for it. <laughs> yeah. And Daniel Berger was the third member of the group. That could be one of your trivia questions there, uh, Rick. Oh, I'm adding it to the First Cut Trivia database. Coach, we're going to head over to your betting card now. And I'm pulling it up here real quick. Uh, you have four bets here. So I think you are confident in the bets that you have made. And they are mostly consisting of matchups and the trend here continues. Joaquin Neiman continues to show up on our cards this week. Hey, I was going to tell Kyle that people might be laughing at you in six months, but we're not laughing at you today because we're backing <laughs> about Joaquin Neiman for damn sure. Now I will say this. I, as far as betting is concerned last week, I really didn't enjoy it because I don't like betting on a tournament where if your guy gets down by two or three shots, you have no shot of making that up because there's no danger. Now, to Mark's point, this week we got a little bit of danger. So I went back six years, and I looked up the numbers for six years. And I looked at the names, and I looked at the numbers, and I said, who's going to hit it well off the tee? Who's going to hit it well, uh, strokes gained approach? Those were my two big numbers that I looked at. And this is what I come up with. We know that Russell Henley has had success on this course before. Uh 2013 first event here, and I think he didn't play last week. He's going to be fresh. Brian Palmer's going to have a little bit of a letdown because he made a run at the century, so I think that's a lock. I'm putting 35 units on that. Ooh, I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm, I'm about the slow play, the slow burn. <laughs> the other two guys are about the long odds, not me. I'm going minus 118. And then you can see Webb, he plays well here. I think Morikawa takes a step back. Uh, I think we're all on Joaquin, and also I like Joaquin Neiman as a top 10 finish. So if he plays well, I could get back in the game because last week I was over and I'm fading DJ forever. Screw <laughs> me over on Sunday. That's Dustin bad, Johnson, I'm never picking him again. Hey, that's a bad move. Let me advise you. Uh, what's Augusta National? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Now, all right. I just brought him back in, Mark. I just yeah. brought him back in. Oh, I'm back. There you uh, go. Russell Henley in this field since the restart, best player in strokes gained approach. He's averaging like 1.18 per round. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we're going to go to my betting card here, which is completely different than coaches. Coach has a lot of matchups and some top tens. I'm going kind of boomer bust. I've picked a lot of outrights. I've sprinkled a little bit thinking, hey, I hit one of these every couple weeks, every six to eight weeks. I'm just going to keep having uh, progress made on this bankroll. So I've loaded up on winners and i went with webb simpson who uh, is not going to lose like six and a half strokes off the tee again this week i don't know if that's even possible at wiley uh, a place he's obviously had a ton of success i've sprinkled winning win outrights on sebastian munoz 40 to one sebastian munoz over the final 54 holes last week was second only to joaquin neiman Played his final 54 holes, 18 under par. Seabass getting it done. Cam <laughs> Davis, I've sprinkled five units on at 100 to 1. Uh, we've talked a lot this week about guys who are going to be accurate. They're going to hit their irons well. Cam Davis going to try a different approach. He's going to go bomb and gouge style, see if he can improve on you, that. You love Cam Davis. I love Cam Davis. What's that's your guy? The guy's a G. He's legitimate. There you go. I got, I got Mark's endorsement as well. So, yeah, now I even love it even more. He's, a, he's, he's, he's the best. Uh, and then I've gone with uh, Daniel Berger, who I'm foreshadowing for, for something I want to talk about in a second to finish inside the top 10. I've got a Brendan Todd group winner. And there was a strange one on Will Hill. This is, this is interesting, Kyle. There's only two options for the top 
Great Britain or Irish player. It's either Russell Knox or Ben Taylor. And Mark's Mark's telling me this is a bad bet. Yeah, I want to have a private bed with you for a bottle of wine, and I will take Ben (laughs) Taylor with all love to Russell Knox. I'll have Ben Taylor in that bed if you want to take it, Rick. Let's do it. Let's do a wine bet. Okay, cool. Love it. Wait, wait. For the record, the new dad still hasn't sent the wine from the previous bet in 2020. Just, just come on. Let that get out. You need to get. Mark, you need to get some odds here because Knox is a heavy, heavy Kyle, favorite. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. I'll take it straight up. I'm going straight up here. And, and Rick, I'll let you pay me in Augusta National. Oof, oh, oh, man. Wow. This, is getting, this is getting better for me all over. No problem. I'd be happy. There we go. 2021, the first wine bet. Oh, we've got a wine wager alert. Thank you, producer Jacob. Yeah, this one stuck out to me. Okay, so so uh, let, let's now, now we're doing this, Mark. What is it about Ben Taylor? I mean, there there's the vast majority of the listening audience probably has no idea who he is. Uh, first time I watched him play, he was playing. He played two years of golf down at Nova Southeastern, which is down in South Florida. It was just really sound. Came over from England and then went to Louisiana State LSU and won the national championship for them over there. And since then, he's bounced around between the Corn Ferry Tours in Europe. But but he's the sort of guy where who just hits a real heavy sort of a ball, and playing in South Florida, playing in Louisiana, playing in the UK, I figure he's going to do pretty well in the wind. And and the thing about Wildlife, it likes you to move the ball from right to left. You know there are some holes that move in the opposite direction. And the last time I saw Ben play, that was sort of the ball flat shape. So uh, I'm a little hot on that bet right now. All right, we've got a bottle of wine on it. Let's move on to our one and done. Coach, you were the big winner out of us last week. You had Xander Schaaf. I think he netted you 250000 Remember, you – or 280000 excuse me. Now, you've just kicked this off. So Xander's the only golfer that you have used. You have everyone else at your disposal where are you thinking you're heading this week? Well, I had a lot of different guys that I thought about, and then I'm sure like you you guys have been doing from the fall, you go, oh, no, I want to use them there. I want to use them there. So for me, the one course that my pick has always done well on, and he's won here, is Russell Henley. So I'm going right. to go with my pick uh, to win uh, is the same as my pick for the one and done. I think uh, I'm going to pocket 250 or, or, or larger, and I think by – the time the Masters rolls around, I'll be in first place. <laughs> oh, wow. this is this is getting spicy. counting counting money over there. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. Um, I'm likely leaning towards Daniel Berger. I think that's uh, obviously Webb Simpson is is the betting favorite, but there are so many great places to use Webb. You can use him at Wyndham. You can use him at RSM. You can use him at Waste Management. You can use him at Harbortown. Use him wherever you want. Uh, or you can use him here. I'm going to go with with Berger, who I think at I think he's like 12 or 14 to one at the moment. That's probably the shortest you're ever going to get him, KP. Like all year long. I mean, he might play some random event where he's one of the headliners, but he's going to play a lot of good fields too. This this might be the best odds you get on Burger all year, and I'm a sucker. I'm going to bite. Yeah, it might be uh, maybe Colonial as well because he'll he'll go as the defending champ, and you know that that field won't be as loaded this year. I can I pick John Rom again for a third time? Is that, <laughs> is that available? <laughs> Yeah, you can. You just uh, won't get any points for him. <laughs> I'm either I'm either gonna go with with uh, Charles Howell, Swing and Pete, nice, or I might go Webb because I think that everybody else is gonna save him for other spots. And I don't know. I don't love that he had COVID at the end of December, and you know, might it, I don't you know. I don't. You can't pick uh, Webb. You already picked him. Oh. Thanks for saving me. <laughs> you picked him at RSM. There I go again. I'll go. I'll probably go with Charles Howe. 
You already picked Charles. It's, it's no, good to see that Kyle puts so much Stop. time into this pick every week. <laughs> apparently, he doesn't even look at his list of guys that he's. He's, he's kind of contrarian at times too. He just decides to go with someone completely off the grid just to create <laughs> conversation. I did. I did already use Russell Henley. He he won me like 300k at Zozo or at uh, CJ Cup, one of the ones that was in California. Oh, yeah. Zozo. Yeah. He won yeah. you 315000 at Zozo. In Kyle's defense, this spreadsheet is new to all of us, so we have to remember to check it. Mark, looking at your picks, your most recent pick, Patrick Reed earned you 75000 Before that, you sat in the penalty box for Mayakoba. You picked Sungjae Im at the RSM. So I ask you now, who do you think you'll pick for this week's Sony Open? I'm vacillating. As you know, I'm saving Webb for Wyndham because um, <laughs> I know I, that. Web, Web at Wyndham, Rory yeah. at East Lake, um, yeah. somebody at Pebble. Do you have somebody at Pebble? Uh, that's no. I've actually, okay. I've actually won with, I've won with Phil at Pebble. Yeah, really? <laughs> so I'm saving, and I'm saving Berger for uh, for the Honda. Oh, um, okay. Hometown mm. game over there, and you know the way he hits the ball in the wind. Mm-hmm. But I'm vacillating right now between Neiman, who I'm so high on right now, and and then. I, I have a sense that we're going to see. Uh, I talked about the king of the Aloha swing. Ernie's done it. JT's done it. And the way Harris English is playing right now, he is looking pretty primed. And so, so right now, I'm 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 between Harris and Joaquin, and it's going to be a coin toss for me on uh, Wednesday evening. All right. Well, I, I like the I like the Harris English. I think that could be. I could see that happening actually. Oh, the way he's playing. I, I had a brief chat. We traded messages with Justin Parsons, his coach, this morning. And and, and I, I shot him a text because I was writing an article on, you know, lessons you can learn from from last week at the Century. And I said to him, you've been working hard on the wedge game, hadn't you? And he said, absolutely, because we've identified that as an area where Harris can really tighten it up. You know, he's got the big wide swing, drives the ball well and such. And so they've been spending so much time on the scoring stuff and you saw it on the par fives. I looked into the numbers last week and he was better on the par fives than Bryson, um, Dustin Johnson and John Rahm. And he's shorter than all of them. So now at Wyla, you're going to get a few wedges in hand. So I figure that's a good pick there too. All right, Mark Immelman, choose wisely because you are in the lead, 3.5 million and we are nipping at your heels. But for now, that'll do it. That has been our mega preview pod for this week's Sony Open. That right there, Jonathan Coachman. You can follow him on Twitter at the Coach Rules. Mark Immelman, who you can find at Mark underscore Immelman. That's Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.